Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Lee Cantor here, another episode of High Velocity Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Ed Sofer, and he is with Seneca Global. Welcome, Ed. Hey, good afternoon, Lee. How are you? I am excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Seneca Global. How are you serving folks? Yeah, I'm very happy, happy to do so. Um, you know, Seneca Global, in, in a nutshell, is a software development engineering firm. And bottom line, what we do for a living is to help companies innovate, write software, and get technology to market faster, all in the business world, so to speak. So nothing in academia or sciences, but pure business consumer business to business stuff so we we help companies write software at the end of the day or manage it now um is this something that the companies can't do themselves internally they have to kind of get uh help from a firm like yours yeah i mean that's a great question Uh, the bottom line is there's so much demand today for software um if you look at from your handheld device to your refrigerator to the automobile you may drive All of those things have some kind of computer chip in it, and somebody's got to write that software. And the more they innovate with hardware, or whether it's Internet of Things or what have you, what you'll see is more people have coming up with innovative ideas, you know, new ways of doing business, more efficiency, more data. And somebody still has to manage and create that technology to be to make it come to life. And frankly, there's just not enough engineers, software developers, testers in the world, not let alone the United States. So we try to fill that gap. And what was the catalyst of the idea? How did this come about uh, where you were like, hey, you know what, there's a, a gap here and that um, I can build a team that helps fill that? Yeah, it's again, you know, if you look at the last 20 years, especially when the dot-com bust hit back in 2000, uh, there was a hesitancy for young people in the U.S. and around the world to get into technology. And as a result, the advent of mobile devices and all these technologies I mentioned a moment ago required more and more engineering and technology skills. And, you know, what happened was companies couldn't avail themselves of the best tech talent. You know, either they work in Silicon Valley or in Boston or what have you. And people, you know, musical chairs with respect to people hanging on to good people, businesses hanging on to good people. And, uh, you know, we came up with a model that kind of helps clients, our clients, have teams that they can rely on for the long term. So then the teams are working for Seneca Global, but serving these uh, kind of portfolio of clients? Yeah, exactly right. So what happens is if you're, you know, Lee Cantor Inc. has a software thing and you got money from a venture firm or something and you want to bring it to market, say it's the next Facebook you know, you're going to have difficulty finding technology skills and architects who can help you bring that thing to life uh, unless you're going to pay a boatload of money. And there's always a balance between uh, econ- economy and getting things to market. So what we've done is created a pool of engineers, uh, which we do both in the U.S., but most of it offshore in India, where we b- develop a team. And now, in my example, Lee Cantor Inc. can have a team that we build specifically for them. They work for Seneca. They're 100% employees, but they're dedicated to you. And you have the ability to, where there's a bigger labor market, frankly, there's still some cost arbitrage of doing it offshore. And now you have a team instead of in Atlanta of 10, 15 developers, you have a team in India that are yours. And uh, over the course of time, year over year, which is 
our, our general uh, model, you know, we, we work with companies for many, many years. They just become transparent and, and Seneca is a long-term partner of these organizations. And the benefit to the um, enterprise organization is that your experts really can get deep depth of knowledge in a niche and then really kind of figure out the best practices to serve them rather than me having to kind of start from square one to build this out and go through the learning curve? Yeah, part of that's right. It depends on the nature or the, or the maturity of the business. So if in my example, Lee Cantor Inc. was new and you had the great idea, but weren't necessarily a technologist, you'd rely on us for you know, uh, expertise and advice as to how you may want to build, maintain, and grow that thing, you know, in the cloud, blah, blah, blah. Other companies, partners, just need us to augment what they're already doing, meaning they're already good technologists. They've got great architects and developers and people who are putting this stuff out there. But as they grow, they need more and more help because the market is moving. They want to gain more competitive advantage, et cetera. And as a result, you know, they need just more bandwidth and we provide that for them. So it really doesn't matter the need of the organization when it comes to this type of technologist. Uh, you have a way to serve either either party. Yeah, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it depends. You know, we can't be all things to all people, but in, in mainstream technologies and certain areas of software development, and I should mention quickly that when you're writing a software to be used to go to market, it's a lot different than something you may be doing in-house to manage your business. You know, if you're a traditional manufacturer, the systems you use are going to be a little bit differently constructed versus something that may be used by millions of people in the mobile areas or in the enterprises, et cetera, depending on the nature of the beast. So um, having a knowledge of more complex, complex product development is different than pure application development in our world. So you need different types of skill sets and different thinking because, you know, if you're familiar with your own phone, there's chances are whether you're an Apple or an Android user, you'll see an update every two or three weeks or six weeks, what have you. You know, somebody's writing that stuff to be brought to the masses. So if you're a Facebook or if you're somebody else who's big and there's a million of these companies, they are constantly innovating their software, increasing it, improving it, fixing it. And that's a different cycle versus a company who may be just counting widgets in their manufacturing facility. Now, are you working with companies that are like building their own software from scratch where you help them execute that? Or they might have existing software that um, is maybe an off-the-rack software that needs to be customized, and you can help them in that area as well. Uh, actually, bothly, uh, frankly, the, 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 the newer stuff, if you will, things that are being brought to market are generally companies who are well-funded, have innovation, are either owned by private equity or venture people, or the individuals themselves, and they want to get something to market. Many companies in the tech world start that way. And as I mentioned, they struggle you know, in maintaining a team uh, to get that to the next level. Now, they may have somebody, you know, they may have a chief technology architect, they may have a few people, but to scale it's more difficult for them. A company that's already been around for many years, and that's many of our companies as well, have a little more maturity. Uh, we work side by side with their folks to you know, enhance, develop, or sometimes even just maintain stuff that's older because uh, they're working on the new stuff. There are people here in the US, for instance, maybe doing that to keep them motivated and not leaving to the, you know, the Google next door, so to speak. So now, are there any uh, trends in the software uh, development space and software management space that you're seeing that now that's going to impact people in the next year or so? 
Yeah, oh, there's no question about it. If, if anybody's somewhat familiar, you hear a lot about cloud. You'll see a lot of advertisements on TV. And, you know, cloud is obviously, you know, a big thing, but people have a tendency to use that moniker and, and over uh, extend it in a way. I mean, all a cloud is is somebody else's computer, meaning instead of you having it on your desktop or in your house or in your in your offices, you're just giving it to an AWS or a Google or Microsoft to put out there. Um, and there is a difference, however, in the benefits of the cloud, which is going to continue, and, and it's it's been going on for a while now, is the ability to scale it up. So if you have day one, only 100 customers, if you're selling software of some sort to help a, a healthcare company, you'll see that once it gets to 10,000 or a million and you got more data, you can spin that up. It's a lot more efficient and effective than adding servers into your server room or your computer room. Uh, that was the only way to do it back in the old days. The other thing you'll see is a trend with Internet of Things. You know, that's another cool phrase of just, as I mentioned earlier, you know, a refrigerator or a car or some device in your household may have, you know, a, a computer capability, of course. And that's something that's really growing like crazy because of all the use cases of, you know, if you think of your Alexa or your smart speaker or something like that, you know, all that stuff is now interfacing with um, actual machines, hence the term machine learning. And then after that, you'll talk about artificial intelligence. But again, some of that is more advanced than others. Um, you know, we play in most of those areas, but it's really nuts and bolts of just getting your current software, your development, your, your, your product to market or expanding it uh, as it relates to competitive advantage. Now, um, when you're working with folks, are you working in terms of the creativity or the kind of the build out of the software that they're working on? Are you working on aspects as like the cybersecurity elements or the privacy elements or, you know, some of the protection issues that you have to do that may not be as creative, but they're just as valuable? Oh, you know, well said. Uh, you know, we, we specialize not in everything, you know, like, for instance, we don't do defense stuff, but, you know, security's got to be part of everything. Anything can be hacked. Um, if you're dealing in the healthcare industry, you know, our firm has to be HIPAA compliant so that we're dealing with uh, in information on an individual, perhaps their medical records, et cetera. Another aspect might be if we're working with financial services firm, we need to be PCI compliant. For, and then there's the thing called ISO, if you're familiar with that, where it's all about security and, and, and things of that nature, where um, you have to follow certain standards or your software can be vulnerable, which then becomes as you've seen many times, we all seen many times a business issue when you get hacked and people get credit card information stolen or inventory information stolen or, oh, you know, it's crazy. So uh, security is huge today, without a doubt. Um, and you have to architect for that differently than you did in the old days, because now in many, in many cases, you know, your information, your software is dealing, it's in the cloud. Now, these big providers like IBM, or IBM, of course, Azure, Microsoft, AWS have many security protocols, but even then you have to architect differently. It's like building a house, not on old fashioned dirt, but now you're building it on pylons over water. You need to have a different foundation. You need to know how to build that thing properly and then maintain it because they change that environment all the time. Uh, therefore, you need to keep up with that. Otherwise, you're going to be behind in release levels and things of that nature. Now, is that an, um, kind of the catalyst for you getting new business? If, if one of your clients has, or maybe not a client yet, but maybe a firm has been hacked or something bad has happened to them where they're like, hey, maybe we have to shore up this side and the folks at Seneca Global can help us? 
you know, we could do that, but that's not normally not how we get our business. Uh, you know, normally what happens is companies are just struggling to find qualified people. And since we don't deal with big companies, you know, our, our, our sweet spot is companies between, you know, 50 and a billion or $2 billion in sales. On the technology side, those companies may be smaller because they may be earlier in their maturity. So they have difficulty in just getting that product out to market or maintaining it. And they want to, excuse me, they want a firm who understands product development and all the things like security and things we mentioned earlier that go along with that and to work in, in these areas of methodology regarding, you hear it of agile methodology. There's, there's ways to write software today. It's over my skis, but luckily I have smart people in our company and how to do this thing. Uh, and therefore, you know, they're working in tandem and getting a lot more productivity out of it, you know, and, and that's a key thing. You know, time to market seems to be very important, um, as well as, you know, not losing ground because somebody's hiring your individual developer down the street, stealing them from you. Uh, the bad news there is salaries are going up. Demand creates, you know, a more competitive nature out there from a labor market perspective. And that's something everybody faces. So early on, you uh, your firm was partnering offshore with India. Are you going into other countries, or is that your primary source for the technology? Well, first of all, it's one company. You know, we are India. We're here in the United States. So Seneca Global is is one company with Indian operations that are wholly owned by Seneca Global, as well as a U.S. arm, of course. And most of our clients, we have a few off in Asia, but most of them are U.S. based. Um, I have teams of senior U.S. based individuals here who work with our clients, and then. They work with the teams in India that are dedicated to our clients, um, but we are not in any other countries right now. Uh, we chose only India because, frankly, that's my partners were there. I've done business there for a couple decades, and you know there's a large labor pool there. And you know, any company you see here in the U.S. that is technical related or large companies like Accenture and the Microsofts of the world, they all have facilities there for a lot of reasons. But uh, don't have to get into that now. But government there, and they've invested in technology for the last four decades, I'd say, before, way before Y2K back in 99. Now, a phrase that uh, people are talking about are digital transformation. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that means, number one, and um, how your systems can help sure. companies take advantage of that? Yeah, you know, digital transformation is one of those cool terms that it can mean anything, in my opinion. Um it's in, in a nutshell, it takes, you know, we have, we were, we have customers who are not all tech flyers and companies that have innovative ideas. We do have a, a good substantial 20 plus percent of our businesses with companies that are brick and mortar type companies, whether they're food companies, et cetera. And they need to transform digitally because what happens is they have something I would term as technical debt. So if you're a business, you're running on an old set of software, and it could be a big business, by the way. It could be multi-billions, bunch of plants, bunch of distribution centers, and you've kind of been milking away at the old technology just to run your business. What's happening is there's not enough, there's a lot more to be had with embracing new technology, specifically when it comes to data, uh, mobile technologies, you know, being able to uh, take what assets you have in your business, whether it's data or actual just information around, say you're building, you know, something, uh, bricks or something, uh, you know, you want to get that out in your salespeople hands, you want to do more mobile enablement, you want to have customers see inside your four walls. So there's a lot that needs to be done there. And companies are transforming digitally to take what their old systems were that were proverbially proverbially sitting in their 
closet and moving it to the uh, cloud or getting new software to help them get there and take advantage of all the tools. Plus, the old stuff costs more money to run and you can't find people necessarily to maintain it. So, um, you know, that's what we call technical debt. If you haven't invested, it's like for anybody who's old enough to remember the Fram oil guy, it's like, hey, you can pay me now or pay me later. But if you put this off forever, you're going to have to really invest in tech to get digitally transformed to work in today's environment. Because some competitor down the street may be offering your customer a better way to buy medical supplies versus the way you used to because you had a catalog instead of some cool digital front end. Now, I'm sure for the listener, it's hard for them to really understand how that's still possible in today's uh, day, day and time. What percentage of companies are in that situation where they haven't invested into digital as much as maybe they should? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I couldn't give you exact numbers, but you know, the banking system is interesting. We don't do a lot with banks, but I happen to know something about it. You know, a lot of banks have cool front ends. You can transfer money, you can do Venmo, you can do Zelle, you can do all that. But their back office systems, in many cases, big banks, you'd be surprised how much of them are running on old mainframes. So what they do, and they have to do this, is put front ends on stuff, but the mechanics behind it. So it's like putting a nice facade on a house that might be crumbling. It looks good from the outside, but inside you're really maintaining it. The plumbing's starting to get old. You can't find the right electrical wire. You can't do this. And you know, and the cost is really the barrier to really take change the whole thing. So uh, you know, that's that's one challenge is that these companies you know find themselves a little behind the eight ball and maintaining something that costs them more every day, because um, it's a huge commitment. You know, to, to make a radical change. Now, is Seneca Global focused on certain niches? You've mentioned a few, but is, is this kind of industry agnostic, really, at the end of the day? A little bit, but, you know, I, I, there is something to be said to have domain expertise. So, uh, you know, we, we have a good presence in healthcare, in manufacturing distribution companies, uh, financial services companies, and companies that just write software that, you know, may be more, um, like you said, agnostic, uh, just something that you, you don't have to be an expert on, something that's selling something on a B to see level in terms of the software. But when you're dealing with healthcare or financial services, it's pretty good to know the terminology, you know, again, the compliance issues one may face, understanding the rules and regs, you know, hospital works a lot different than a provider at a clinical level versus a insurance provider, right? But it's sometimes all bundled as healthcare. Uh, the more domain expertise you have, the better. Um, and frankly, if we don't have them on staff, you know, we find them or we work with the teams to educate them, um, you know, leads with tech first, but it's it's much stronger to have somebody who understands your lingo. Now, do you also work with like private equity firms or VCs to help kind of scale up, a, you know, a, a funded company that has a good idea, but just doesn't have, you know, the talent needed to scale it to the extent that it maybe could. And, and these VCs or private equity yep. firms can really benefit from that speed. Yeah. You know, we have a few private equity partners and they love our model for two reasons. One, um, we understand, you know, what it takes to innovate and move fast along the continuum of getting a product. So if you're a private equity company, chances are you put a fair amount of money into company XYZ. On company XYZ, you know, private equity guys and gals want to do what? They want to uh, make as much revenue as possible, make as much profit as possible, spend their money wisely. Development's important. Product technology is important. All that's important. But if you can, if you can do it more efficiently, you can take that money that you can't spend 
uh, in India or in our, through our firm, you can use more marketing and sales efforts, you know, more branding. That stuff should be done here in the U.S. if you're a U.S.-based company and work with technology companies such as ourselves to leverage our model such that you can save some money there, use the money here to go to market faster, as I mentioned, and the things that, you know, will give you that advantage and, and you know, be more effective with your, with your investment. So what do you need more of? How could we help? Are you looking for more talent? Are you looking for more clients, more partnerships with like private equity firms? What do you need more of to grow in the coming years? You know, the simple answer is all the above. You know, uh, you know, our, our, our growth has been pretty strong, very strong. In fact, a lot of that's because of the demand we mentioned on the beginning of this uh, interview. Uh, frankly, people are hard. You know, they're, they're, there's more demand and need than there is supply. My company uh, has spent a lot of time and money on creating what we call it. It's not we call it. It's actually an, a worldwide recognition of great place to work. If people ask me, you know, often, you know, how are you differentiable? Well, you know, all the stuff I said earlier great. It's all cool. But, you know, it's all about the people and make sure they stick around. They want to work here versus, you know, the big player down the street. So we've invested heavily in career development, people, you know, culture and all that stuff. So we have some of the lowest attrition levels in the industry. Uh, We're a great place to work on a number of different levels. Um, And that means a lot because everybody who's a technologist today, whether they're in the U.S. or India, probably, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, has three to five job offers. I mean, that's how crazy this market is right now. Salary is one thing, but, you know, when you're, you know, when you're competing, you know, they want to look at the whole thing and we've really pushed careers. So when you ask the question, what could I use? I could use more people. So if there's people who are looking for a job, I'd love to have them, love to talk to them uh, who are good technicians and developers, et cetera. And certainly love to talk to all the companies who are needing technical help. You know, we're pretty good at this, been doing it for a long time. And I think we're a model that really uh, bodes well to that, given, you know, the, the history we've got and the testimonials and customer history we've got. Well, before we wrap, can you give a piece of advice for um, other executives out there when it comes to culture? You've talked about it. You say that's kind of your secret sauce. Can you talk about how, uh, obviously, as a leader of this company, that was important to you? And culture is one of those things, if you're not mindful and intentional, it's going to form either way. So you might as well pay some attention to it. Can you talk about something actionable uh, a CEO can do to kind of create that culture they're proud of that can attract people to them rather than, you know, scare them away? Yeah, no, that's a great point. There's two things. I mean, you know, we have a majority of our employees are in India, so I won't belabor that because I'm sure the audience here is U.S., but when we talk to a potential client, they like to hear that we look after them. You know, uh, we do a lot of things culturally and, and career-wise. Yeah, a small example, you know, technical skills are important anywhere. You know, you, once you get through that hoop, what's the difference between working for Seneca Global or working for Google or Microsoft? The difference is, hey, you know what, we really care, you know, in the sense that, we concentrate on, you know, what it means to you because everybody in my business, it's not like they're a shoe built, a shoe machine that makes shoes every day. They can go and work any place they want. They can leave me anytime they want. Right. And so I got to make sure that we outweigh our competition, salary, benefits, culture, education's really big for us, especially in India, where we want these people to work on their soft skills almost as much as their technical skills, meaning that, you know, when they communicate their business writing skills so they can advance career wise, invest in themselves and we'll help them do that. Because uh, if you only want to be a programmer for the rest of your life, great, make a good living. But you know, if you want to get into other aspects of career development, technology companies, it's management of programs, projects, sales, you name it. And, you know, soft skills are important, communication, all that, you know, and education. So 
you know, you got to compete really hard for the individuals, certainly here in the U.S., but I would say it's even more relevant in, in, in India and some of the other upcoming technology-based countries like, uh, you know, Eastern Europe, et cetera. So crazy. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wants to learn more about Seneca Global, uh, sure. whether it's, you know, for a job or for an, uh, you know, a partnership with your company to help them grow, what is the website? It's SenecaGlobal.com. One word. It's just like it sounds, S-E-N-E-C-A Global.com. And you'll you'll find us there. We'd love to see, hear from you. Well, Ed, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Lee, thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure to get to meet you and be on this uh, broadcast. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on High Velocity Radio. Mm-hmm.